You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Inflation, recession, stagflation. Just what the hell is going on? Hi there. Thanks for tuning in to another Real Vision podcast. So, what the hell is going on? We all want to know. Here at Real Vision, we've debuted a special series called Global Recession. Is everyone wrong? We've called on the world's best experts, including Juliette de Klerk, David Rosenberg, Peter Zion, Pierre Andoran, and many more, to try and help us make sense of things. These real experts will be giving Real Vision members in-depth, long-form analysis on the real stuff that's happening. Best of all, you can get access to all 14 days of Global Recession, Is Everyone Wrong?, for just $1. Yep, $1. So head to realvision.com slash global recession. That's realvision.com slash global recession to join us on this epic two-week journey of discovery. Hi, everyone. Welcome to The Daily Briefing. It's Wednesday, May 25th, 2022. I'm Maggie Lake, and here with me today is George Goncalves, head of macro strategy at MUFG Securities. Hi, George. It's great to see you. Hey, great to be on. Thanks for having me. So, you know, an interesting day. We saw stocks uh, bounce back. Looks like the Nasdaq was up as much as 2% at one point late in the afternoon. Yeah. It looked like it gave back a little bit of that, um, ending with gains of about 1%. But it was green across the board. Pretty constructive day for U.S. equities. The 10-year Treasury pinned right at about 2.75. But it's interesting. This is all after the Fed minutes showed a Fed on track for 250 basis point rate hikes in June and July. Um, anything in the minutes that jumped out at you or changed your thinking about anything, given that the Fed does seem to be the sort of number one factor for the markets right now? Number one factor for the last 15 years, if we're really honest, right? Yeah. Um, so, uh, look, I think um, the market's probably breathing a sigh of relief because it's possible that we're now have hit like peak hawkishness. So even though the minutes were hawkish, because let's not forget, put it to context, the Fed hiked 50 bips for the first time. In like since 2000, they did um, like get QT in place. That's going to start on June 1st. Like that, that I call that double tightening. That got put in place at that meeting, and but it starts to kind of feel a little bit stale based on what's happened since then, especially around financial conditions, how much like markets have moved. Uh, but there were a couple of things that I picked up on. One, yeah, you know, they are still toying with the idea of like at some point they might have to sell mortgages. The the, the thing is, the mortgage market has taken. Such a, a beating this year that I just don't see like much how much further it can go here, but mm-hmm. nonetheless, like mortgages was a big kind of story there. They mentioned uh, non-bank financials and the concerns about you know, private credit lending and things like that. And that's you know the first few times I've seen them kind of start to focus on that. It's I'm, I'm not sure if like the broader media is looking at that, and uh, and I think like they took the idea that they're not looking at 75 off the table. That was legit. Um, so I feel like. Like we know all of this already, so that's why the markets probably viewed it as relatively like less hawkish or not more like the hawkishness did not increase. Yeah, and and I think you bring up a really good point, George, because the minutes are always backward looking, right? But we just want to try to fill in some of the nuance, see if there's a real divide among the members or what it is yeah. that the issues that they're kind of stuck on, or maybe there's controversy around. It's all that kind of 
really nerdy stuff that we're trying to glean out of these meetings. Yeah. The Fed always wants to kind of keep their um, cards a little close to their chest and, and have maximum flexibility. But, you know, they they do kind of continue, even in comments that, you know, when they've made making public appearances, they really want to try to emphasize the fact that they're just all about inflation, all about inflation. But is the risk is there a risk that the Fed is going to push the economy into a recession in order to bring down inflation? Do you think we're there or has the conversation moved on since those minutes? Well, the market is starting to toy with the idea that inflation risks are going to take a backseat to recession risks, but the Fed probably mm-hmm. the Fed has not moved on to that point yet. And I want to read a I want to read a, a thing that was in the minutes which I thought was interesting and it was you know just kind of flagged to me. Yeah, many participants judge that expediting the removal of policy accommodation would leave the committee well positioned later this year to, the, to assess the effects of policy firming and the extent to which economic developments warrant policy adjustments. Like when I read that, that to me was like, oh, they're preparing that at some point they're going to go to a wait and see. They're going to pause. Mm-hmm. Like that, that passes right there was their view. Like, yeah, we're going to front load, hike as much as we can. Like we'll see how far the markets can take it. And at some point, they're going to pause. So there, there is stuff out there where they're, they're, they're trying to send some signals. But I, look, let's be honest. They went from zero to 1%. And we have the NASDAQ down almost like 30. <laughs> the stock market broadly down 20. That's 1%, right? Like if they go from yeah. one to two, like what, what is that going to do? Right? And we have that in the next two meetings. That that is so interesting because first of all, it, it alludes to the fact that they, that they're cognizant of that. You know, they keep sort of wanting to portray the fact that they're not really worried about that, but but clearly they are. They did a good job of sort of taking the food, Fed put out of the market. I don't know, maybe you know, maybe it's not as out as we think, but that they also have the political cover right now. Like inflation is a political issue, so they've got people urging them to take this action. If you start to see economic fallout. It gets a little harder to do that, I would think. And are we seeing evidence of that yet? You know, George, what is your outlook for the economy? Because we we do start to see some pockets. We had durable goods today. Yes, they were still up, but they were weaker than expected. You had uh, the home builders con- confidence. You had consumer sentiment starting to, you know, but but on the other hand, some earnings have continued to show some strength. And where are you on the al- economic outlook? Yeah, so maybe if we could pull up my first slide uh, that I shared with you guys on the on the deck, and, and look at the you know this kind of circle of life here around the the interplay between financial conditions, which a lot of it's being influenced by the Fed, uh, and just where we are in, in the economic cycle. I mean, the, the Fed has had and, and continues to have until inflation turns the corner. They have a binding constraint, and you're right, there's political cover as well. But that like they're going to focus on inflation until they get some proof that it's stopped. You know, it's no longer rising. They're, they're seeing some adjustment. But if you kind of work around this circle, uh, you know, high inflation limits their policy flexibility. We've seen the Fed tightening. Markets actually done the tightening for the Fed. Real rates have had a massive adjustment. But if you look at real rates in the last couple of weeks, they've kind of gone sideways. Uh, and that's led to where we are now, which is the dark red um, arrow. We're in the, the point where financial conditions are tightening. Now, you would pe- people would say that's what the Fed wants, and they do want that. But it's it's the hardest thing to calibrate because we're talking about many moving pieces. So, like we went from the inflation risk to the rate risk to now we're focused on credit risk and potential, and that credit risk linked back to there, there's a, there is a decent chance that we will fall into a recession that the Fed will you know miscalibrate and push us over the edge. Now I don't think they're going to do it on purpose, but I do believe that they, that that's 
the, the higher probability, as long as they keep talking tough and they're going to deliver 50s and 50s, for, for me, I think that you know we're close to a 50% chance of a recession in the next 18 months if they keep ratcheting up. And remember, they're doing QT as well. So this double tightening will drain liquidity. It's, it'll still keep the dollar bid. It will take away liquidity in the markets. And like that's gonna, that's all ahead of us. It hasn't even happened yet. So, yeah, which is a great point, and I want to talk about that in a second. We also have some great questions coming in. Hannah, Paul, Bo, Ralph, welcome to the conversation. But I, but I want to I want to play another or bring up another point first on this broader issue with the Fed and Fed policy. Um, Jim Bianco had a fascinating conversation with Danielle DiMartino Booth on Real Vision, where she raised a really interesting point about confidence in the Fed. Let's listen to a clip of that, and we'll talk on the other side. I think that as our mutual friend Peter Bookvar would say that that if the confidence bubble in central banking bursts, and that's the biggest one of them all, if that bursts and there is a public backlash, because during the crisis, there really wasn't Twitter. I mean, it, social media wasn't a thing. The Fed wasn't identified as being the bad guy. There's a lot more awareness now of the role that the Fed plays in increasing income inequality in making people's lives that much more difficult because they refuse to fight inflation. So I think if the public backlash is big enough on the other side of the downturn to come and you've got a Congress that's willing to revisit the Federal Reserve Act, that you could end up seeing mavericks independent thinkers come onto the board, but it would take something really big for that to happen. And again, that is the bursting of the bubble, the confidence bubble, and imagine what that means for Wall Street. Yeah. I mean, you know, Wall Street is really comfortable with the way that the Fed works right now. And uh, you burst that bubble and there a lot can change. And that full interview is available to Essential Plus and pro members on Real Vision. Um, interesting way to think about it, George, a confidence bubble bursting and the sort of, you know, unintended or hard to quantify, I guess, reaction to that. Do you think the Fed is suffering from a, a, a confidence crisis? In general, the Fed's like aiming to preserve their credibility as an inflation fighter. And let's be honest, the last 20, 30 years, they've not really had to fight inflation in the way they have to do it right now. So like it was easy to like to hike rates or not easy, but it was there was less of that urgency. They were very gradual in all these other hiking cycles. Now they're actually putting put being put to the test. And I think there's a you know not an existential uh, issue uh, that's that's surfaced, but if they don't get inflation under control, then it might then shift back to the government in, in the form of price controls and things like that. And so I think that there's that element, which is more the macro policies part of it. And then there is the, the view of that. There's been a whole host of investors that have grown up knowing that the only thing that matters is the Fed. Mm. And so if the markets start to realize that we have to do our own homework and our own fundamental analysis, then maybe it's not a crisis or of confidence. It's just that we have to go back to the way that things used to be, which is everyone does their own homework. A new regime, a new regime and a, you know, a kind of changing financial landscape, the globalization, the digitalization. I mean, you know, there's a there's a lot in this. Hey, everyone, we're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. 
Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Um, right. A question from, I want to get a question in from Paul from the exchange uh, after the May FOMC meeting revealed a general consensus behind at least a couple more 50 basis point rate hikes. What do you see actually happening? Yeah, so my view is that they, you know, as long as the markets give them the ability to hike 50 bits, they will do it. Uh, June should still be uh, a done deal 50. You know, we still have a couple of weeks to go and markets are fast moving. We, we, who knows where we're going to be, you know, if these sort of bounce backs from what, what I still feel is a bear market kind of reaction. Uh, we're, we're not, you know, any, there's no real insights like, is this the start of a, of a bull move? I don't know. For risk assets, I'm, I'm speaking of. Uh, but you know, let's see. Let, let's say that we we form some stability consolidation into the June meeting, and rates are still projecting fifty bips. They're going to hike fifty. Mm-hmm. The question then becomes like, what are those those minutes say? What does like Chair Powell say at that press conference? Does he start to like bring optionality that maybe we could do fifties and twenty fives going forward? And and like once that conversation starts to kind of pick up, then they're pivoting to a like less hawkish stance. Right. Which, which the speed of the reaction, the market reaction, we, one, one wonders if they want to do that and sort of undo the work they've just done. I mean, That's this right. is the, the, the sort of strange way the market, the, the anticipatory nature of it. Uh, l- let's touch on the quantitative easing and then we'll, we'll dig in a little bit more again of what, what that means for markets. Uh, Hannah, you mentioned mortgage, uh, mortgages earlier. Hannah on the exchange asking, is there appetite for MBS, mortgage-backed securities, in the private sector? Who will buy MBS when the Fed stops buying them? Sure. So maybe we'll look at page two uh, of my deck, which shows uh, it's, it's full of a lot of information. And, and, and if those can see it on the screen, starting from left to right, this is just showing you the evolution of Fed's holdings of treasuries and mortgages. Treasuries are in purple, uh, black mortgages. And then I have some dotted lines, which is just my hypothetical scenarios of what could happen in the years ahead. Like the Fed is, you know, more than once has reiterated they want a treasury only portfolio. They also said that, by the way, last time. And then, of course, yeah, we got COVID in between. We can we can like debate that. But they they they, they want to get out of the mortgage business. I, I really do think they want to get out of that. The thing is, we don't have a large enough investor base out there that can take it over in one full swoop. So it has to be a prolonged five to ten year window. And like, and in five to ten years, hopefully we'll t- we'll talk in between there, there, Maggie. But like, a lot's going to change in those five to ten years, right? Like so, who's going to buy them? Look, the private sector will buy it at the right price. I mean, there's been a deep discount. I mean, in many ways, they become like distressed assets. And you know, when distressed kind of assets kind of percolate into the system, you know, you know, capital is raised and people will step in. So I, I do think that the the mortgage damage, a lot of it has been done. If the Fed were to outright sell them, that's a whole other story. Mm. Do we answer this question before, uh, uh, George? You may have in the middle of of one of our others, but have bond yields peaked? So yeah, so that's that's that is the trillion dollar question. Um, I'm starting to come down that I think it has. This is long term bonds, not necessarily the front are, end. So you think? Are you saying thirty or maybe tens, tens and thirties? Tens, tens and thirties. Tens and thirties have potentially peaked. I'm, I mean, there's scope for them to go one more shot higher, mm-hmm. but I I I think that you know, the market is already shifting towards like the, the recession and growth concerns more so than inflation concerns. And if inflation is the problem. The Fed's going to have to overhype than what even I'm expecting. That's going to invert the curve. And that's going to force us into a recession even faster. So 
either way you cut it, eventually long-term rates are going to come back down. So, you know, I, I feel like we're in that process of forming the top. We might have seen the top uh, earlier this month. So how do you see quantitative tightening playing out? I mean, we, we, we've been so focused on, the, on whether it's 50, is 75 off the table, or is it gonna, are they going to go back to 25? How is quantitative tightening going to impact as we have a Fed that is raising rates? Well, I mean, like, we did not script this. So you and I just first met right now. Let's yeah. go to my next slide, because my next slide answers your question really nicely. Uh, so my next slide on page three is showing you now that black line is the growth rate of the Fed's balance sheet. And the red line is the total return of a 60-40 bond portfolio. And then mm. I'm projected, and then the, and the gray area is the QT 2.0. If they're going to do quantitative tightening, as they say they will, which is going to be over a trillion dollars a year, that means that we're going to have negative returns on asset classes for the next six months to 18 months. So that goes back to the whole financial conditions. So like your question is like, how does it work? This is exactly how it works. It will work in reverse. The, it, the Fed has five or six main channels that they use to uh, put policy in place. They're really going after the wealth effect or negative wealth effect and the portfolio rebalancing channel, which in this case, they've made treasuries and mortgages now attractive enough because rates are high enough now and spreads mm -hmm. are higher that you can start to pivot into high quality fixed income and away from risky assets. As long as that's the case, the next six months, that's what investors should be doing. Um, and that's going to take, you know, money out of the stock market which is the biggest uh you know a uh, slug of, of where capital is uh on a, on a market cap basis and so if you go to my next slide which is a slide four um this is one of my favorite charts that i like to show people it's a little bit wonky but you know it, it, it the bottom line is i'm showing you the black line which is the 12 month rolling change of the s p 500 market cap and then the red line is a consumption uh in gdp on a 12-month change and you can see like in 2008, when we had the global financial crisis, we had about five and a half to six trillion drawdown in equities on the S&P. About six months later, consumers consumed less. We actually had a, you know, some deflation and some contraction in growth, which was a recession, right? We haven't, we, we saw that during COVID, but that was a forced lockdown and a big swing on the other side. And if you look at the black line relative to durable goods consumption during, you know, late 2020, all throughout 2021, it had a pretty good correlation with actual wealth being created by the stock market. So in other words, people were consuming their wealth throughout the last 18 months during the crisis, as well as you know being aided and abetted with fiscal stimulus. It was just you know a powerful force that drove up the durable goods side of the economy. And that you know is not opposite uh, is working in reverse. So if the Fed wants to corral inflation, they literally have to kill aggregate demand. And that means, and the only way to really do it is to hit it, you know, in 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 the, in the in the portfolios of investors. So, I mean, that's that's a, you know a very bearish outlook for for equities for risk assets. So, do, and you anticipate that money going into bonds? You think there's an opportunity to rotate into bonds? Well, here's the thing. I mean, we can just have a reprice, right? We've had we've actually had a reprice, and money really hasn't been asset allocated anywhere. I mean, a lot of investors, and especially yes. The, the That's biggest right. one, yeah. The biggest thing is, I feel like it's like suspended animation. Like we're now stuck where there's a massive unrealized loss in corporate bond portfolios, in um, in treasury portfolios, and mortgage portfolios, and not everyone can sell at the same time. So they're just sitting on unrealized losses. 
So you had that happen at the same time as equity started to roll over. So there's no asset allocation play. It's just literally a, like a repricing lower in market valuations. No one cashes out is the point. Is the, that's the, that's, there's, there's no need to actually physically cash out. But if you go to my next slide on page five, what, if there ever is a proper true cash out, this is what might happen. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but this mm -hmm. is something that causes you know, a little bit of concern for me and what, uh, what keeps me up at night being more bearish than, than usual. Um, this is a lot, of information, a lot of information on this chart, but basically I'm showing you the, asset ma uh, the assets under management for money market funds, the S&P 500 market cap again, and then the Fed's RRP program, which is a black line at the, at the end. In 2000 to 2002, when we had that correction, uh, money left the stock market and went into money funds. You see the correlation right there. Yeah. You saw the same thing happened in 07 to 09. There was about $8 trillion lost in, in wealth. Only a trillion went into money funds. So basically, it's like a one, it's like an eight to one ratio. Like you cannot, not, not everyone can cash out at the same time, right? It's impossible. And, and, and prices are set at, at the margin. So what you're seeing now um, is an $8 trillion drawdown, but actually people were buying the dip because actually money fund balances went down. Now they could have bought fixed income. I can't prove that one way or the other, mm. but the RRP program has been going up. Like it should not be going up. The Fed is trying to tighten and take liquidity mm. out. And this is why they cannot start quantitative tightening soon. Like it has to start like ASAP because there's way too much liquidity. If people try to sell out of the equity markets, there's nowhere to go. RRP, is it reverse repo? Is that what you're talking about? The reverse repo program, correct. We're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. So, this is hugely important. Uh, and it explains. 100%. I I received a research note in my in my box today saying the sixty four pilot sixty forty portfolio is down sixteen percent for the year. Treasuries have not hedged equity risk. So so you're people have been going to cash. Is this is the, is the scenario you describe? If people try to cash out, is that that sort of you know collateral run that we've seen cause the scarcity of collateral and the collateral run that that caused us problems was it back in 2018 you know we see these weird sort of market the markets don't function properly is that kind of what you're nervous about that's exactly what i'm nervous about it's the mad dash for cash and the inability to place it and and that you know there's only so much collateral in the system that's why it's going right back to the fed through the rrp program right and, and the that, system is not built for that the system is not no. built to operate this way no not permanently Mm. So, yeah, so that's that's the big one to watch out for from the global macro point of view. If there's a, another leg lower in risk assets, maybe there won't. Maybe we dodge the bullet. Mm -hmm. But if there is an actual like cashing out of some magnitude, there won't be enough places to put that cash. That's so important. I just and we're going for, for those who may be listening as you drive or, or walking or listening to some replay and you're not able to see the visuals. We'll try to uh, post these excellent 
charts and I'm seeing them for the first time as well. Um, George, you're right. Sometimes I can look through them ahead of time. I didn't today, but you have all this because these are the main questions that that matter for everyone's portfolio going forward. So, uh, you know, fantastic that you've that you've sort of provided all of this information and nuance. Um, I think that um, uh, Ralph is asking on the RB site, what's your theory on the atypical moves treasuries have made this year? Is any of that connected to what you were just talking about now? Because, you know, you, you only have to sort of plug into many of the conversations we've been having on Real Vision with people who've been in the markets for years, and you'll hear them say, bonds don't move like this. Like, we are seeing moves that we haven't seen. Certain currencies don't move like this with this kind of rapid, intense move. What do you make of that? Why is that happening? I mean, it comes down to market depth and at a time of of, of major transition, we're you know, your clip earlier from with Danielle, the, like we're, we've been accustomed to thinking that liquidity is just always there at, at the at the beck and call. And it's not necessarily the true, like, we, you know, markets, you know, sometimes trade thin when there's less conviction. And so I do think that has played a role. I mean, it's actually something the Fed also mentioned today in the minutes as well, that they're worried about overall, or they're watching at least market liquidity within the treasury market. Let's remember, and I think everyone knows that at least for those that at least that are listening, that it is the bedrock. It's the upside down pyramid. It's the collateral of the system. It's the treasury market first. And if that is, is not, you know, on, on sound footing, it reverberates through the system through, you know, through volatility. And that creates a an, 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 an wider bid ask. And it just kind of amplifies the, you know, the, the kind of uh, contention that we're dealing with in markets. Yeah. Excellent point. Uh, Hef is asking a question on RB side. Does George think the fraud slash scam companies in the market will go to zero during this tightening drawdown. I'll ask it another way and say, are we going to start to see defaults rise, um, you know, as we sort of enter this period? We get a lot of questions about high yielding debt. Often it's companies that, you know, um, I think have think some of them are fraud scam, but some of them may just not be established or are riskier. Are, are, would you expect to see default rise? Are you surprised they haven't risen more already? Well, I mean, it takes time before it actually filters through the system. But I do expect um, uh, if this, again, gets close enough to a recession, even if it's just a growth recession, you know, the weaker hands and those that really you know, are dependent on very low cost of funding, if spreads stay high and, and rates are still going to stay high for, for some time, that's going to really put a squeeze on, on the, the ability for them to tap the capital markets. And that's where potentially you might see default start to pick up. But Right now, there has you know because there's been so much uh, borrowing, people are, are in pretty good shape for now. But if this were to persist, and this is what the Fed is really trying to figure out: how much can they run down the clock before we either go into a recession and or we have a credit event, right? Like this is literally it's the biggest game of chicken ever, and it's between the credit market and the Fed. And at some point, you know, there's going to be you know someone's going to have to blink, and I think the Fed will ultimately blink. That's my view, um, and that's why I don't think they're going to hike as high as three or four percent. Uh, because the, the markets are tightening for them, both through the rates channel, but also this financial conditions. Yeah. But if we're going to use that analogy, they're going to try to get as close as they can this time, knowing what's happened in the past. And, you know, that's that's a scary place to be for the, for the other side of that coming, whether it's credit or risk assets or, you know, whatever it is. It's, you know, that 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 doesn't mean there's not going to be some damage as that starts to, to close. They start to those two forces start to close in on each other. Really co- interesting question from Michael B on the RV site. Do you see food or energy prices coming down anytime soon? Only question to be asking right now, period. 
rates are going much higher than people think. You know, he's really getting at that question that for the folks who are in the camp that, listen, this is a totally new inflation regime. regime. The Fed's not going to blink. This is what they're going to have to do. You know, they're going to be forced to take inflation seriously. And we're in a period of much higher sustained inflation. And by the way, food and energy aren't two things that Fed tools can tackle very effectively. How, how are you thinking about that dynamic, George? Yeah, no, no. So it's, it is fascinating. And, and this is what really puts them in a tough situation uh, because there's the optics of the high inflation and, and there's the actual you know, reality. This is really you know, hurting um, the purchasing power of everyday uh, Americans and everyone around the world, quite frankly. Um, but they have to kind of couch that against the overall financial stability and financial conditions in the system because, because of this game of chicken and who's going to blink first, if they do go to three, four percent or higher, invert the yield curve, and it's just going to cause more damage into the actual underlying infrastructure of the economy. That it will it will generate demand destruction to a point where it's going to be a pretty bad recession. That's going to kill inflation very quickly, and, and it might be a stagflationary recession initially, but it'll yeah. quickly shift into a deflationary environment. So I don't think they want to do that. So like, yeah. again, it's trying to thread this needle. This is a it's a choice of, of like suboptimal options. Yeah, no good choices, just big risks and trying to avoid the biggest ones and limit the pain, it sounds like, which is something we all had to be aware of, because at some point, you know, this is where what's in your portfolio, whether you're properly hedged to the point you can be, um, which we're, we're, you know, established earlier, it's not easy, given the fact that nothing is working and everything's moving in tandem. Brian is asking from the RB site, what's George's outlook on tips? So... um... Last well, in the last year and a half, two years, the Fed became a very large uh, holder of the tips market, and and in general, tips um, uh, performed well through this period of inflation concern. Uh, but I'm I'm relatively neutral to to slightly bearish on tips because I just don't think that there's going to be uh, years of follow through on inflation. I could be wrong on that. That's my view, and I'll own it if I am. But I, I feel like. Uh, you can use it as a short-term hedge if you really are concerned about inflation, but there's uh, other, you know, you know, commodities are much better and more direct. But this is really a problem of scarcity and supply chain disruptions. Why own the second or third, you know, derivative of what inflation is? Own the actual underlying commodities are better. So I think that's you know, definitely the the way I would look at it. Yeah, George is is cash the place to be right now, given the things you're concerned about? Or is there opportunity in the bond market? And if so, where? I I think, you know, the one to three year part of the curve um, is now high enough, both in credit as well as in treasuries and other fixed income products that people should be you know, in that area until they figure out like where we are really heading. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, 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 it, and for those that are m- more in my camp that, you know, eventually this does create a policy mistake on the other side. And we do get very close to a recession or actually go into one, then, you know, the long end, whenever it dips uh, and goes above 3%, you have to average in. George, fantastic insights, great charts. Thank you so much for your time and your insight. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Also, once again, fantastic questions. Um, Loved them. Keep them coming. Uh, Before we go, uh, just a quick update on another asset class that I know all of you are tracking closely and worried about, wondering about crypto, of course. Um, As you know, Real Vision launched a new show called Crypto Unwrapped. It's a deep dive into the major stories impacting digital assets. In the latest episode that aired earlier today, Ash and Leslie Lamb discussed Bitcoin's 
uh, price action and outlook. Let's listen to a clip. So Bitcoin dominance is the relative percentage of the total crypto market cap uh, that is represented by Bitcoin. In other words, what percent of the value uh, across crypto is held in Bitcoin? Uh, as you said, that's up to about 45%. You can see that little uptick on the chart. Uh, look, I think it's important to note that the reason that we see Bitcoin rising as the price of Bitcoin has declined, it means everything else in the asset class has performed much worse. So Bitcoin, as the price deteriorates uh, on the altcoins, so-called, you see the, the total percentage represented by Bitcoin rising. We're seeing nation states buying the dip, and that is an indicator for the average retail investor that Look, relative to a lot of the other cryptos out there, um, Bitcoin as a brand has existed now for nearly a decade, right? So uh, it is a testament to really the validity of Bitcoin as one of the mainstays in crypto. Um, and I would see that contributing, right, to the overall narrative um, that Bitcoin is here to stay. And that's why we're seeing the numbers that we're seeing right now. That's a little taste of crypto unwrapped. Super excited about it. It's happening right now live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. in Mumbai, 10 p.m. in Hong Kong. So definitely check it out. And we will be back here with the Daily Briefing same time tomorrow. Um, I will be your host. I don't even know who's joining me, but it's going to be one of our one of our fantastic guests. So Tony Greer. And we'll talk about commodities and bonds and the Fed. Uh, so come on, check it out. In the meantime, take care and good luck out there. What's up, revolutionaries? Thanks for tuning in to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. For more content like this, head over to realvision.com and get unfiltered access to the very best, brightest, and biggest names in finance. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.